Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Isn't it glorious to have talent in our midst? Thank you so much for that, really. Um, you know, as I was sitting there, and this was not part of what I, part of anything that I planned today, but as I was sitting there, I was thinking about how when I was growing up, I really wanted to learn to play piano, and it just things didn't align in the way that uh, allowed, allowed that, and that, you know, there's neither right nor wrong within that. And, and then I started thinking about, you know, being of a certain age now, not a teenager or even a child wanting to learn the piano, would it still be within me to be able to learn to play? And I started thinking about all the things that the world tells us. Oh, there comes a point where you're just really too old to learn. I'm like, no. So I might take up piano. And I'm going to do this, you know, and, and it actually goes really, it goes great with what I'm planning, with what, what I was planning to talk about today, which is what are the stories we keep telling ourselves? What are the stories we repeatedly tell ourselves about why or why we can't, why we can or cannot do things in the world, or be who we choose to be in the world, or express from that God essence, holy? We do tell ourselves stories all the time. And those stories are setting the limitation to the experience of life we choose to have. So I want to start with a question today. It's, 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 not, a, it's not a big question. Not a big question at all. But I'm going to start with this question. Where is God? Not a big question at all, right? Where is God? Just check in with yourself for a moment to see what comes to mind when I ask that question. And you don't, it's a rhetorical question, so you don't have to give me an answer. I just want you to be aware of the answer that presents itself for you. Where is God? Just think on that for just a moment. Now, I have an answer in the form of another question. Where are you? Because right where you are, God is. Right where you are, God is in its fullness. Do you believe that? That's another rhetorical question. And you don't have to believe that, by the way. I'm not telling you that you should believe that. What I'm encouraging you to do is to figure out what it is you do believe, because as Jesus said, it is done unto you as you believe. And so if you are looking to increase the capacity for magnificence in your life, in expression, perhaps that is something to take to heart as a belief, that right where you are, God is. Because how can God be anything other than magnificent? And I say it every week. We say it every week. You are magnificent. I invite us all to exclaim for ourselves, I am magnificent. What you are thinking right now is expressing itself in your life in some manner. So the question then becomes, is what you are thinking right now supportive of your most magnificent expression? 
in many ways, I'm going back to some of the fundamentals of the New Thought philosophy. Because, you know, sometimes it's good to go back to basics. And the basics are this. God is all there is, and your life, the life of the divine, the life of God, is flowing forth based on your thoughts, your beliefs, and your feelings. There's a thing that we call the law of mind action. Sometimes we refer to it as the law of cause and effect. What we're saying is that everything in the world of experience is the effect, and there is some cause behind that. That mind action, that mind in action is showing up. The cause is in mind. What shows up is the effect. And so part of the work of new thought is to make it practical and to be able to step into the activity of utilizing the philosophy, not just studying the philosophy. Albert Einstein said, any man or woman or person, any person who reads too much and uses their own brain too little falls into lazy habits of thinking. Any person who reads too much and uses their own brain too little falls into lazy habits of thinking. If we have lazy habits of thinking, how do you think our life is going to unfold? The unity philosophy, part of the, which is within the new thought umbrella, the new thought philosophy is a spiritual philosophy that many people approach intellectually at first. That certainly was my way in. I, you know, while I considered myself a spiritual person about 15 years ago, I would not have ever thought in my life that I would ever go to church, let alone be a minister. Because I approached everything from an intellectual standpoint only. And that's one of the things that appealed to me about New Thought is the fact that, you know, we're essentially saying that these are tools that we can put into practice to make our life better. And so I thought, oh, there's something I can study to make my life better? I'm in. Oh, it's spiritual? Whatever that means, I'm in. So initially it appealed to me through the intellect. And for many people, that's the story I hear. It appealed through the intellect. And what we find is that while we tend to think about these principles, the principles, the unity principles themselves do not work truly until you embody them, until it moves beyond the intellect and becomes an embodiment from the heart space. And that's the whole point and purpose of keeping up with and being within your spiritual practice, part of which may be coming to service on a Sunday. That may be part of your spiritual practice. Now, here's my question. Is that your only spiritual practice? Rhetorical. You don't need to answer that. Just know for yourself what comes up for you. Embodiment is about more than thinking. It's easy to have a thought. It's easy to think, I'm a millionaire. The belief, that little voice at the back of your mind that's going, no, you're not. Have you looked at your checking account? <laughs> the belief is the thing that's actually at play and showing up in your life. So I can think the thought, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. It will do absolutely nothing without the belief being addressed wholeheartedly. 
It is done unto you as you believe. So the moment you align your mind and your heart space and embody a belief, that's what's going to show up for you. Embodiment is creating a new way of being. And here's the great news. Once it is embodied, you don't have to work so hard for it all the time. I have found my life has gotten easier over these past 15 years because I have moved from the intellect into the embodiment, and there are times when I move back to the intellect, and that moves me into embodiment, and I'm constantly in this infinite flow, balancing the intellect with the heart, the embodiment. One great method of practice, this is one of my favorite little publications in the world. Even before I was part of the Unity Movement, this is a publication that I was very much interested in. It's called The Daily Word. The Daily Word is a publication of Unity. You can get it in our bookstore. And right now, the September and October issue are available in our bookstore. The, the, the training I had as an actor in advertising and, you know, Right now, you can get <laughs> the Daily Word. Uh, the Daily Word has broken down for each day a word or a short phrase like I am. And then it has some great insight into that word, and uh, there's a passage from Scripture. And it's a great practice to use this every single day. Just allow yourself to open it up, read the word of the day, read what's there, Take some time to contemplate and allow a deeper understanding beyond the intellect of what is being presented. That's one practice. That's one practice you can engage in. This can lead you into meditation. It can lead you into prayer. How you choose to practice in the world is up to you. That is one thing that I know works for me. It works for me. So we need to find what works, what works for us. Um, what happens when you have practices like that is it is aligning the heart and mind with spiritual truth. Truth with a capital T, I call it. Truth with a capital T. Truth that there is only love. There is only light. There is only life. There is only peace, beauty, joy, power. Those seven courses I talked about last week. That's all that exists. And when we are in full alignment with truth, we can let go of the stuff that does not align with that. But boy, we hold on to that stuff a lot. We do. We do. And the truth is, any practice will only do you the good that it does you to the degree that you embody the practice. You see how it keeps going back. An intellectual practice of reading can be moved into a place of embodiment. Truth known, I can read this very easily, is not truth lived. So how are you living? There are a lot of questions today. <laughs> How are you living? It doesn't matter if you were to read the sum of all spiritual philosophy that exists. It doesn't matter if you can intellectually understand it all. If you don't live it, it doesn't mean anything. 
It doesn't mean anything. So I guess the question, that, the next question, because it is, it really is a day about questions. The next question that comes up for me is, is there anyone who exists who is living this 100% of the time? Now, many people will look to the great mystics of the world and say, well, Jesus certainly lived it 100% of the time. That's why we look to Jesus as a way shower. Muhammad, Moses, the Buddha, any of the great mystics of the world, we could look to and say, they were living it 100% of the time. Truth is, we're all living it 100% of the time, whether we are aware of it or not, because it always works. The law of mind action is always at work in our lives, showing up as the construct of our lives. Our work then becomes, how are we directing that flow? How are we directing that flow? Where do we lack focus? Where do we lack focus? Because where we lack focus, we're still being driven and showing up as this thing called life. Any place where we may feel inadequate in our lives. Are there, this, is, this is again rhetorical, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but is there anyone in here who feels inadequate at times in their life? I will admit I feel inadequate at times in my life. That is an indicator, those feelings and spaces within our hearts and minds of inadequacy, that's an indicator, and an indicator only of the work that is to be done. It's great information. It's great information. And if we look at it just as information and take out the judgment and the heat of, oh, I feel so inadequate, <laughs> say, oh, you know what? I missed the mark there. That's information, but I know who I am, and I can do something different. I can. I am empowered because I am the power. Now, here's the thing. If we see a place where we are, if we are looking at a place where we see inadequacy, right, and we, our tendency sometimes is to go, oh, look at that. How did I get there? What are the horrible things that happened before that got me to this point? And we go on a witch hunt. Anyone ever do that? I have. What value does the witch hunt have? Except sometimes, and for many people, to keep you mired in the thing that got you to that place in the first place. That's why we teach affirmation we do teach denial, but for me, denial is about dredging up only with the point of view that if we dredge it up, we must now affirm something new. So engage in the intellectual practice of understanding where it comes from as long as the next step is embodying the new place you want to be. Because the witch hunt can keep you in the stuff. There was a time in my life where I was really mired in the stuff.
And I think that's an indication of how valuable that stuff can be when you're wallowing in it. Oh, doesn't the wallowing feel good though sometimes? Why do we do that? Ultimately, you know what, actually, so ultimately wallowing in this stuff is self-defeating as I've expressed, right? Um, but you know why we wallow sometimes? Because it gets other people to feel sorry for us and doesn't that feel good? But the degree to which we continue to wallow in it is the degree to which it will continue to show up in our life. Why? Because the law of mind action is always working. Wallowing, yes, it can get people to pay attention to us. Oh, look, they all feel so sorry for me. Oh, doesn't that feel good? Oh, you know why that works for us? Because we have been taught that suffering is admirable. You may, you, may, you may intellectually say, I don't necessarily agree with that. But if you truly don't agree with that, then look at the places in your life where you have, where you have wallowed in the suffering because it felt good. I think I've said this before. Um, in a book that I read recently, one of the things that was said is, and it was talking about the degree to which our minds work with negative thoughts and positive thoughts. And this book made this claim. It said, negative thoughts stick to our minds like Velcro, and positive thoughts slip right away like they're, like Teflon, something like that. It's very easy to hold on to those negative thoughts because we have been trained to do so. That is the training we have received in our society to hold on to those things that don't feel so good. And so when we come into these centers, these, these magnificent churches and spiritual centers that are teaching personal responsibility, and nobody likes to hear that we're teaching personal responsibility, but when we come into these places, many people go, oh no. They're telling me that I should not wallow, that I should actually do something in my life about it because I'm responsible for the expression of my life. People get real turned off by that because we're not here to tell you you are a sinner and if you do not repent, you are going someplace. That's not what we're talking about. But people are attracted to that. People are attracted to that because it lets them off the hook for having to do anything. It says, if I can blame something out here, then I don't actually have to do any of the work here. And the whole point and purpose of the New Thought philosophy, I'm sorry to say, is the work. It's the work. <sighs> There's a great resource for some of the magnificent things that I'm presented with sometimes. Um, and I'm grateful that the algorithm on Facebook is actually fairly positive for me as a resource. <laughs> I think it's because I choose to only interact with the positive and I choose to only put out the positive. But there is a great meme that uh, I run across every once in a while. And the, the, it's a quote and it's been attributed to Robert Downey Jr. Although he's not the only one who has said something like this, but the one I see all the time is Robert Downey Jr. You know, Iron Man. Um, and so this quote that was attributed to him is this, worrying is like praying for what you don't want. <laughs> the student of truth, that's you and me. 
The students of truth will maintain that they live in a perfect universe. Do you maintain that you live in a perfect universe as part of what you have been taught within this philosophy? We live in a perfect universe, right? We will maintain that we live in a perfect universe and we are living among potentially perfect people. I think you're all perfect. There is no potential within that. You are all perfect. And we will regulate our thinking to meet this necessity. And the degree to which we regulate our thinking to meet this necessity of understanding that we live in a perfect universe and we are surrounded by perfection at all times, then we cease to believe in the opposite. And that's the power of new thought. That is the power of unity. This is creating new habits. This is the whole point and purpose of spiritual practice, to create new habits. So I want you to consider for yourself, for just a moment, what is your spiritual practice? Free yourself of judgment. Just let it go. Let go of any judgment about the quality of your spiritual practice and just say, what is my spiritual practice? Just tap in for a moment. And now I want you to ask the question, how well is it working for you? You get to decide how well that is working for you. If it is lacking in any way, don't beat yourself up, change yourself up. There is no right, there is no wrong. There is only that which works for you. And as I've said many times, technique, spiritual practice technique, the technique of anything, is what works. That's what technique is, anything that works. So what works for you? This is what we are here to learn and embody, a workable spiritual practice. And to, for me, make it exciting and be high energy. You know, I've gone to plenty of services where it's very much like this, and now we're going to talk about the things that we're going to talk about. We're gonna have really boring music, and that doesn't work for me. It works for some people, it doesn't work for me. I am not the type to disappear and go sit on a mountaintop in the lotus position. <laughs> Although I have done it. <laughs> Ultimately, we do not try to eliminate behavior. The behavior follows the consciousness. And so our work is to change the mind. We must change our minds to eliminate the behaviors that are not serving us in life. As long as you are thinking and feeling what you do not want, your mind will continue to create your private, self-accepted hell on earth. That's what happens, because this is always working. It always works no matter what, whether we have an awareness of it working or we don't have an awareness of it working. It is always, always working. So here's my question. How do you get past the thinking of what you don't want? Well, that's the whole point and purpose of spiritual practice. Because I could very easily say, think something else. How easy is that? I've had trouble with that in my life. Just think something else? What are you talking about? Deepen. Engage. Engage with this in mind, that you know who you are. Because that's the ultimate spiritual practice. Deepening into knowing who you are. That's why one of the tenets of our mission is remember who you are. You are the most magnificent. You are the most high. You are God in physical form. And there is no separation. There is no thing out there. There is only this right here, this right here. There is only us. There is only now. There is only this moment. Make that your habit. Make that your habit. 
Go out and live. Go out and live because it always, always works. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. The homework this week is this. Take stock. I want, I want us all to really take stock this week of the habits that we have in mind. Now, we may discover a lot of habits. That's okay. As you discover habits, you can say, I'm going to focus on this one habit this week. You can take it step by step. You don't have to address the whole of it all at once. You can say, I'm going to address this one area of my life, and I'm going to become the spiritual master of this one area of my life. So as you discover these habits, ask, are they working for you? Because some of them are working for you, and that's okay. Are they not working for you? Those are the ones to really look at. You get to determine and you can make change around those habits. So make a commitment to change a habit this week that doesn't serve you. Just start allowing yourself to go on the journey of creating useful, constructive habits. That's the homework this week. And whoever is lighting the flames of faith next week, there she is. I know who it is. <laughs> start today. And I'll do the same, because sometimes I put off the homework. I'm going to admit to that. Sometimes I put off the homework. So that's the homework. Find a habit that you are choosing to change and actually do the work. You get to decide what that work is, because technique is anything that works. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.